3: And this week, we're looking back at the best of the year. Each crime writer will give our list of the top 10 podcasts we've reviewed in 2021. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. You
4: know, Rebecca, one week you didn't say love of my life and people got scared. Concerned.
3: Actually, I didn't say it a couple weeks in a row and it's not in the script. It actually
4: has never been in the script. That's, yes. yeah.
3: And I, I think that for the sake of time we were trying to keep the intro tight and so i just wasn't saying it people have been worried you
4: just read i know He says my husband kevin flynn hello kevin
3: i know people thought there were problems
4: there are no problems
3: all right anyway at least
4: none that we're bringing to the podcast
3: also with us is private investigator certified pet detective resident cat lady author of dead on deadline and love of my life laura bricker hello
5: (laughs) oh rebecca i love you too
3: and finally hopefully not
5: in the same way
3: Our, well, you never know. Our Captain of All Things Cynical, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, and the love of my life, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby.
4: Hello, Rebecca. See, Kevin. We need a bigger bed.
3: I have love to go around. Love
4: to go around. <laughs>
3: yes, I'm like I'm like Paul McCartney in the get back. Uh, documentary. I love Linda, Linda's daughter. I love Yoko. I love George's friends uh, sitting over there in the corner. But you don't
4: love the director of the documentary, no. Michael. What's his name? And I, I don't. And neither do I.
3: I don't love that American dude who keeps trying to bring me tea. I, you know, whatever.
4: <laughs> uh,
3: but I love everybody else, you, you know.
4: Mean Mal. No, I, I like, like Mal. 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 Mal is the, is the... one with the hitting the hammer on the
3: anvil. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. Love that guy. Anyway, so Kevin, do you just want to go ahead and remind our listeners that this is the final week of. Of the old format of our program, right? Yeah,
4: yeah. Next week, we're going to be coming out twice a week. So on Monday, there'll be uh, one show that will be out. We're going to be talking about landscapers from HBO. Mm. Then on Thursday, we'll have another show that's going to come out. And on that show, we're going to be talking about Lost Hills Season 2. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, it's two a week from here on out.
3: Yeah, so we're going to be doing a lot more work, and we're going to have to pay our producer more, I guess,
4: right? Well, that is, you know, the American way.
3: Good news, Livy, you're getting a raise. You just learned it on the podcast. She's in
4: college. She needs that money. (laughs) Like, send me
3: the podcast. (laughs) Either that, or she's going to quit. It's going to be one (laughs) of the two. She's either going to be like, wait, I have to do what? I have to do how much more editing? Yeah, yeah, Livy, don't worry. You're going to be getting a little bit of extra cash with that. All right. So we have a lot to do this evening. Um, I just want to set up what we're going to be doing. So we're going to be talking about a list of podcasts that we really want to highlight. And we're not talking about the whole world of podcasts. We're talking about from the podcast that we reviewed this year, right? Right. So in 2021, podcast listeners had a lot to choose from in the true crime genre. There were stories that took on failures in the justice system, politically motivated wrongdoing, systemic racism, and old fashioned murder investigations. But which titles truly stood out to us? We will talk about the Crime Writers Top 10 podcast from our reviews of 2021. But first off, many, many thanks to Linnea Motter for managing the list of reviews on CrimeWritersOn.com. Every one of our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews is there?
4: Yeah, she's like, why are you paying Olivia so much when she's not getting anything? She's just a super fan. Well, We're... because
3: we did discover one mistake this week in the thumbs up for thumbs down review Oh, something list.
4: that you really, really like that ended up getting a thumb sideways? <laughs> yeah, that... something
3: that's on my list and Kevin's like, wait, you didn't even give that a thumbs up? I'm like, what are you talking about? Of course I did.
4: <laughs> well, Linnea, it's it's you've got over a thousand reviews That's in right. there, so n- I, I no think worries. We can
3: tolerate one error.
4: Uh, can we?
3: We'll get to it on the list.
4: All right. Let's do our lists.
3: All right. So let's just get right to it. We have some crossover and we will find out what that is as we go on. So we're gonna discuss each one a little bit as we go, right, Kevin? Yes. All right, let's do it. Kevin, I'll start with you. What is your number 10 podcast pick for 2021?
4: My number 10 is Welcome to Your Fantasy. So why'd you stay? Think about it. All the pussy you could have. All the drugs, if you did drugs, you could have. All the alcohol you could have. All the attention you could have. And money. Why would you want to lose that job? It was, as you recall, a great tale about the history of Chippendales, which was fun and flirty and sexy. But there's also like a real true crime attached to the case. The host was dr. Natalia Petrazzella and by doctor I mean she's an academic but she's also talking about Chippendale's mm, she's also like a fitness teacher yeah remember there was that scene where they're all looking at the workout videos the Chippendale workout videos wasn't a lot of sweating going on other than <laughs> maybe the people watching it but what I thought I thought it was very fun because it gave you a you know a look into a kind of history but it also brought the true crime aspect of it. Recently, we did The Curse of Von Dutch, which could have been a very similar thing. It's talking about a business, it's a brand to die for, and there's a murder. But when we get right down to it, there really wasn't a murder associated with uh, the company, right? There was a lot of backstabbing. But we did get that in Welcome to Your Fantasy. Plus, you got to hear that one great dancer who was talking about like all the girls who want to snort coke off his cock, and it <laughs> was just... It was, it was amazing.
3: Hmm. Laura, I understand this was on your list as well. Number eight on my list. What did you like about Welcome to Your Fantasy, Laura?
5: You know what I liked about it? I liked that we hear so many true crime podcasts that are set in sort of the same type of setting. And first of all, I'm fascinated by the Chippendales men. And I'm fascinated I'm sure by are. that yeah. world. As you know, because I sent you some Chippendales men for Christmas for your uh, your drinks. Yes, you did.
3: Go um, oh, oh,
4: oh, before we go any further. We have to explain that because you, people are going to get the wrong impression. You sent Chippendales to our house. They're like those little uh, wine wine mar- markers. markers. Do you there know which little, one is yours? Yeah, little and, plastic men. That, and each okay.
3: one is a man that hangs on the side of your glass in a different athletic pose, and they are very sexy, tiny little men. Thank <laughs> you,
6: Lord. You know what kind mm-hmm. she sent me? To take a wild guess. Where did you send oh, you? Same
4: thing, but they're aliens
6: close what are they they're owls
3: oh Perfect.
4: Speaking of sticking it to somebody, yeah.
5: Yeah. No, so back to Welcome to Your Fantasy. I just liked that it was like, you know, we have this window into this 1980s world of the exotic dancers, how it started. We have the story of the guys that get this started, the guy that's like an immigrant and the guy who had that like weird TV show, that children's TV show. And then somehow he becomes like, you know, the mastermind behind Chippendales. So I just thought it was an interesting world and a window into this world that we wouldn't normally have had, but also that there was some true crime thrown in. I just I thought it was fascinating.
3: Hmm. OK, so moving along, Toby, what is your number 10 pick for your top 10 podcast that we've reviewed of 2021?
6: So first of all, I got to say that I had three podcasts and two spots, 9 and 10. Hmm. So I wanted to put Day X in there, but it got knocked off. Number 10 for me was The Apology Line, which is a podcast about, I guess, in the 70s and 80s in New York City. This guy set up a phone number where people could call and apologize for different things they, they did. I witnessed a crime. I did not report it down in the men's room at Penn Station. I feel very bad about not reporting it. Bye. I would like to stop feeling the way I do about the blacks and the Puerto Ricans and the Chinese. I'm really sorry because I'm white, female, and rich. I just wanted to say I'm sorry to all those poor souls out there that wake up black and blue the next day and try and beat the shit out of them. It was the perfect subject for a podcast. Like there's all this tape of these people from that era, just like leaving these messages about stuff that they're apologetic about. And so it just seemed like the perfect match of form and uh, subject. Uh, you know, we talked in our review about how they decided to take sort of a dark true crime angle on this. And we talked about how there there could have been, you know, a whole bunch of different angles. like depending on with all these calls that they'd gotten, you probably could have done lost loves or you could have done regrets about, you know, things you've done to cheat people or whatever. But they chose to go the true crime route, so it wasn't perfect. But I I found it compelling uh, and very listenable, and so that's why it's number ten.
4: Yeah, I had this at number eight on my list too. Um, it was one of the better things we got from Wondery this year. And by the way, as I'm you know looking at my list and everybody else's list, the, some of the big uh, studios were well represented from Spotify and Wondery. They, you know, they also put out some crap too. But this was one of the better things that we heard from the folks at Wondery. Yeah, the idea that we had, you know, sort of years of these tapes. You know, the guy essentially was making a podcast on the telephone. It, it got to the point where, and I forget the guy's name, but you know, Mr. Apology, as, as he was known, was actually taking some of the different comments and the people who were leaving and stitching them together. People would call in the line and listen. Like, it went through a couple different iterations. The host of that show was Marissa Bridge, who was the girlfriend her perspective, you know, having lived the story with him, was, uh, you know, brought something to it. And I also thought, like, hey, there's enough content here. This could be a weekly podcast, even with all the historical yeah. tape. You know, another way of doing it would be to, you know, every half hour, a half hour show of, you know, different apologies. Maybe we all missed out on the on the opportunity to make a lot of money on. Ripping off the apology line. But, you know, it was an interesting concept and a, a good topic for a podcast. I liked it. We should say you mentioned Wondery. They did go
3: through a big transition this year. They were acquired. Of course, Hernan Lopez, the former CEO of Wondery, left. And they have now like really transitioned in this partnership with Amazon. And they really are now become like this very really heavy-duty distributor. They've got Kathy, too, formerly of the New York Times, running a big part of their podcast unit, and they have distributed some of the podcasts that we loved the most this year. We should be looking out for a different kind of podcast, I think, from Wondery in the future. So look for that in the future, Kevin. I picked that as a trend in You mean like
4: 57 sound effects? and
3: I would say that we should okay. maybe look for different kinds of shows with that <laughs> label on them in the future. So, Laura, Toby said that he had three podcasts in his last two spots, uh, wrangling for the top 10. So did I. I day X was one of the ones that got narrowly edged out for me as well, and your number nine was another one for me that almost made my top ten. Laura Bricker, what is your number nine
5: podcast that we reviewed in twenty twenty one? I am going with Mississippi Goddamn, the story of Billy Joe Johnson, who dreamed of graduating high school, going to college, playing football, and was shot during the traffic stop with a white deputy in two thousand eight.
4: The traffic stop wasn't captured on video, and there were no eyewitnesses. What I did know, his family didn't believe the official version, and they felt ignored by the system. His death didn't make any sense to them, and it didn't make any sense to me either.
5: So it wasn't necessarily, for me, like a true crime podcast, even though that was the setup for the podcast. It was more sort of a study of race and history and the South and policing but it was really well researched in terms of the sourcing and the host had a really, you know, I felt like he was very connected to the story that he was telling. So even though it wasn't like a whodunit, it was something that presented a really interesting issue in the context of a true crime story. Yeah. So I
3: didn't pick this and ultimately, but could I just weigh in a little bit, Kevin, on why I almost did? Um, the thing that I really loved at Mississippi Goddamn was that it was also a study about journalism, Ultimately, the story became about why they decided to do the story, and that became a big subject of the podcast, and that's something that I always honestly, when good journalists do that and do it well- it's very interesting to me. And that became a part of the story too. And so it's a very multi-dimensional podcast. And the sourcing, as Laura said, is great. The forensic stuff is great. The fact that they get sources to reconsider their conclusions is surprising. And uh Alletson just does a beautiful job writing the show. Okay, so Toby, I would like to move to you now. What is your number eight podcast that we reviewed in twenty twenty one?
6: My number eight is Stolen, which was Connie Walker's most recent podcast. And it was the search for Jermaine Charlo.
5: When I started looking into the issue of missing or murdered indigenous women in the United States, I quickly became focused on Montana. There are so many cases here. Why? What is happening to indigenous women in Montana?
6: I just feel like her podcasts are so sort of emotionally resonant in that you get so kind of wrapped up in sort of the personal aspect Of the cases and ways that sometimes other podcasts don't do, and even the ones who do, I I just kind of feel like Connie is, like, sort of consistently the best at doing it. And, And then she's also, you know, she's on the ground. It's just very interesting listening to her go about her her business, her investigation, the way she talks to different people. I, I mean, this is early in the year, but I think there was a time when she was in a bar and like kind of how she's sort of observing things and negotiating them, which is super interesting. It's not the kind of thing that you get in a whole lot of the podcasts we review. So again, I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, I think all of Connie's podcasts have been awesome. And this was sort of the next in that line.
3: Yeah, this was my number ten on my list. I could not make a list without "Stolen in Search of Jermaine" on this podcast. What I loved about this piece of work from Connie's is that she took what she does. And she made Gimlet do it. I was very, very worried (laughs) when I uh, heard that Gimlet was going to be working with Connie and that she had moved there and that she was going to be bringing the work that she had done with the CBC to a company like Gimlet. They had just been acquired by Spotify. Their shows have a certain sensibility. They have huge teams that make them. And this show was Connie Walker. It was her work. The edges were not shaved off. It was her voice. It was was her mission and it was everything that I expected it to be. And I felt like she brought the best of what she does to a company that is not necessarily bringing the best of what they used to do to what they're doing today. And I really hope they make more seasons of this show. We need this journalism in podcasting. If it's not making the kind of money that a, like a weekly talk show makes, I do not care. We need this kind of storytelling in podcasting, and this is excellence in storytelling. So like, I just can't say enough about Stolen, and I'm, I'm so happy, Toby, that it's also on your list. So I guess it's me now for number eight, right? Because I guess I'm the only one who picked Suave. And so I need to ask you, you know, at this point, Is this still a journalistic tool?
0: Well, I mean, the truth is Suave at this point was more than a story. Yeah, the lines got blurred. I mean, it's complicated.
3: It is a super weird podcast. Uh, Maria Inahosa, who is uh, the head of Futuro Media, had been talking to a source in prison named Suave for decades. She began her relationship with him in 1983, and it was a journalist-source relationship. And then at some point, they were going to make this story together, and she realized that her relationship with him perhaps compromised her as being an objective storyteller. So Maggie Freeling, who done some work with Futuro, Came in and hosted this show. Suave and Maria Inahosa became a subject of a podcast that she had been the main reporter for for decades of the story. So the podcast became this multi layered story about Suave's story, Maria's story, and her relationship with Suave. And then it makes this huge turn and becomes a true crime podcast that kind of looks at whether or not there really is a perhaps a wrongful conviction story at the center of it. It's multi-layered it's weird. It's beautifully written. And honestly, it's unlike anything I've I've ever heard before. And I'm really, really surprised that more people don't talk about it kind of in the lexicon of true crime because it's just it's unique and it's really special. And I um, it really stands out for me in
4: 2021. Well, I always call Toby Suave. So does that <laughs> that doesn't bring it into the true crime lexicon?
3: Well, yeah, it's a pretty great name. All right. So, Kevin, what is your number seven podcast that we reviewed in 2021?
4: In this position, I put the podcast The Line. A young prisoner, unarmed and wounded, the last known image of him alive. And kneeling over him, Chief Eddie Gallagher, a decorated Navy SEAL, about to do something or not do something, depending on who you believe, that would brand him to many as a war criminal. The host is Dan Taberski, and this may not be the last time we hear from Mr. Taberski on the list. The subject of the line was an investigation into the war crimes trial of Chief Eddie Gallagher. This was the Navy SEAL, who was accused of murdering a uh, captive who was, uh, I guess he was wounded and had been captured by his unit, and... When it comes to, like, a very serious topic like this, something that's also politically polarizing, you don't think, let's send in Dan Taberski to do that story.
3: I do now. Man, he
4: <laughs> he, he really, like, established himself as somebody that could do that. And at the same time, like you say with Connie Walker, still be Dan Taberski. Conversational, authentic, a little funny. We'll never forget the line about uh, the Canadian McDonald's. Hmm. But also, you know, he also did, I thought, a decent job of humanizing uh, Gallagher, who, again, is a very polarizing figure. But you got to kind of see both sides of that because Dan has a very soft touch with that. And it's also interesting to note that this was part of a sort of this hybrid project with Apple TV. This was a podcast that came from Apple, and there's also a video documentary produced by Alex Gibney, on the same topic, but separate from the construction of the podcast. Yes. I believe I believe they did the interviews all at the same time, Same right? access, different production. You're like, okay, Fascinating. here's taking the raw tape, going in two different directions. So, I mean, I've always been a big fan of of Dan Taberski. He really stretched this year. He went in places that you wouldn't think he would be able to, you know, really have a big swing on. And, uh, man, he did great on the line.
3: Let's be honest, too. He also got uh, Eddie Gallagher to some some extent to break some news at the end and, and kind of to admit to this murder at the end of the podcast. And when you talk about him humanizing Eddie Gallagher. It doesn't mean he made Eddie Gallagher likable, and that is a very, right. very hard line to walk, and it's the, the line that only someone like Dan Taberski can walk, where he can make somebody human and also still like allow you to hate that guy.
4: Mailing his wife, the better business babe? Incredible. Better so, Laura, business babe. It's so easy to say. You babe, also have the business, line babe.
5: on your list, too, right? What position did it have on your list? I had it on number 10, and um, you know it could have gone higher. I actually, now that we're talking about this, really, really liked this podcast because- you know, basically anything that Dan Taberski does, I will listen to. And this was something, like you said, that was a topic that could have been, you know, done in a confrontational way, in a very controversial way. And he just did it in that, like Dan Taberski, conversational, but I'm still going to ask you all the questions style <laughs> in my nice Dan Taberski way. And we really got a window into a really, really interesting case. And I came away from it like, wow, okay. It was something that was easy to listen to because, like I said, he just narrates and writes in such a way that it draws you along for the story, but we had access to all the people that were involved, and they weren't let off the hook, but they were questioned in such a way that they were called out on stuff, and they were asked questions, and it was done in a way that I just came away like, wow. I want to hang out with that guy when he goes out to interview people for his podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I should mention that
3: Kevin uh, line was also number seven for me mm-hmm. when it came out. I couldn't imagine that it wouldn't be number one. It was that good. Mm-hmm. I would say there are very few outstanding podcasts this year, but the ones that are outstanding are so outstanding that I cannot believe the line ended up at number
4: seven. So you heard six better podcasts?
3: I did, personally. Uh, Speaking of which, Laura, you have a pick for number six that I plan to talk about, not on this show, but perhaps on the after show. (laughs) What is your pick for number six on our top 10 podcasts that we reviewed
5: this year? I can't even believe I put this on my list, but I'm I gonna love that you did. Why, I love it. Why I put it on my list. I put the Murdoch murders as my number six. And this wasn't because I thought, oh my God, the production value and the storytelling and the writing and this podcast was great. I put it on the list simply because, and you know, you guys know I'm fired up about sort of the demise of local journalism. And I felt like Mandy Matney, who reported about this Murdoch case, who's a local journalist who was on the ground, who has no podcasting experience, her and her fiancé, I'm sick of hearing about her fiancé, but you know what? <laughs> she's, got, she's got some balls to be going out there as this small-town journalist and basically giving you all the information that's coming out about this crazy, crazy case.
2: I don't know who killed Paul Murdoch. I don't know who killed Maggie Murdoch. I can't say who killed Stephen Smith. I don't know who, if anyone, killed Gloria Satterfield. But I think I know who killed Mallory Beach.
5: I respect her for the fact that she recognizes she's not a podcaster, but she was looking at how she could get this information out. And I think I put this on here just because of the value of having local reporters, having local reporters that have existing sources when a huge story breaks so that they get access to the information. And she took that information, instead of just putting it in this whatever fits news service that nobody's heard of, she found another platform to get that information out there. So good job, Mandy.
4: Respectable pick.
5: Listen, it almost ended up in my list somewhere,
4: too.
3: Didn't, but it almost did. Toby, what is your number six pick for podcasts that we reviewed in 2021?
6: It wasn't the Murdoch murders. Um,
3: (laughs) Which you did give a thumbs up to, by the way. I did.
6: I did. Uh, It was uh, Do You Know Mordecai? Yes. Which I suspect is probably on some of yours lists as well.
3: A friend of mine fell for a sensitive millionaire named Mordecai. And then she found out she wasn't the only one. It was way too good to be true. I'm Kathleen Goldhar, and I'm going to tell you one crazy ass story.
6: It's just, it's just super interesting in that it's this sort of pathetic con man who manages to con all these women, right? And then you get all these women on tape talking about it, and that part of it is, is really compellingly told. You know, it's interesting getting all of their perspectives on what happened, and you kind of form an idea about the dynamics that are going on, and then at the end, they get him, yeah. They get Mordecai to come in and sit down and they talk to him. So, you know, they, they deliver the goods. It has a very satisfying arc. And you know, all the all the women who they interviewed, I, I just thought were so interesting and strong and able to sort of talk about their experience very eloquently. And then when you get Mordecai at the end, I guess you, you kind of get a sense of, of, of what he is, but he's 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 kind of pathetic. Hmm. In another year, like this could have been like a top three or four for me. This year was a tough year. yeah. Uh, But I thought it was just really finely crafted, very interesting. And we've done a lot of con man stuff, but I kind of felt like this one sort of got closer to the heart of how it all works than other things that we've done.
3: Yeah, Toby, that is part of the reason why it ended up number three for me on my list this year. Again, when I listened to Do You Know Mordecai, I thought, oh, shit, this is going to be number one. I can't imagine anything would be better than this. I picked it for all the reasons you mentioned and one additional one. Do You Know Mordecai for me is one of the most feminist podcasts I have ever listened to. It gives the most feminist view of shitty relationships that I have ever heard we have strong accomplished smart women giving a window into what they expect what they want what they experience And this is not a shaming podcast about what the fuck were they thinking when they did this. And it is just beautifully made through the lens of women that I want to know, I want to be, and I just, I cannot say enough about it. And I'll be honest with you, when people were on Twitter talking about how great Sweet Bobby was, I was like, guys, that podcast is fine, but you are missing the boat if you don't immediately go back and listen to Do You Know Mordecai. Now, Kevin, this one is also on your list, right?
4: Yeah, I had this at number five. Uh, I agree with what the two of you said. It was a great catfish slash con man story, but it was different. One of the things that I thought really benefited the story... By the way, we start off with Kathleen Goldar saying, I'm going to tell you a wild-ass story. Yeah. And she delivers. She's wonderful. It's a, big, it's a big promise, and she does tell us a wild-ass story. We do hear from a lot of different women, and while there are similarities... Like, in their stories, each one was a little different. Yeah. Different enough that it didn't seem repetitious. You're like, oh, I'm hearing this again. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the big thing is to get the guy in. The problem with Sweet Bobby I've had was that, okay, we're going to try to tell you, the listener, what is going on in this guy's head. Or this person's head, I should say. Yeah, the perpetrator. Why do they want to do this? What's going on? And you don't get that very often. Here in Do You Know Mordecai, the guy comes in, sits down. I still don't know if we actually know, but we did get him in the chair and we were able to ask enough questions that, uh, you know, like, okay, I've heard him in his own voice. I can read between the lines on where he's coming from. Yeah. So that made it unique. Lara, I know this is also on your list.
5: Yeah, it was on my list because we all know I love somebody that has like a double identity and is pulling off a scam like this. And I also like how those people are exposed. But like Rebecca, I loved how we had this unusual story of the two women who were at one point both married to the same man now partnering up uh, because they're friends to out Mordecai. And I just I thought that Kathleen and Arya, I, I think they were compelling characters to listen to. But I like the fact that we actually got really into the story, whereas sometimes we're promised that we're going to get more of the backstory when we have these double life type things. And we actually did. So I just thought it was really interesting.
4: Our first unanimous pick. Yes.
5: Well, it's an outstanding, outstanding podcast. It is. It is. All right, well, moving on
3: to my number five uh, podcast we discussed fairly recently, Carrie Lowe versus from host Maggie Rar. This is another outstanding, extremely feminist podcast about a rape case gone awry. Carrie Lowe, the investigation into her rape by the Royal Canadian Mountain Police was completely bungled. Carrie told me that when she was asking why no one was
0: going to the location, she was told, quote, We can't go beating down doors. And another time, she says police told her they believed her, so they didn't need to go to the scene.
3: She ends up in a situation that is not uncommon, but also completely absurd. She decides to fight the system for years and years and years. And I love this podcast because there's a very good journalistic case, I think, in many newsrooms uh, that may not have put this podcast out because the story was not finished and the fight was not finished. But that is the goddamn point of the story. I loved it everything about this podcast. I love the writing. I love the story. I love the subjects. I love the twists and the turns. And for God's sakes, it was four episodes long. And when do you get a story like this that is so short, but takes you so many places. It was a gut punch. It was a slap in the face. It was entertaining as hell in all of the right and worst and best possible ways. I absolutely love this podcast. Number five on my list. Kevin, it ended up on your list as well.
4: Yeah, this was number six for me. I agree that this was completely rage inducing. When you have any kind of mystery, you know the answers that you're trying to get in this case are who and why. The who is obvious. We have to try to find out who was the perpetrator that assaulted Carrie. And also, you know, who were the cops behind the bungling or the intentional ignoring of the cover, case. Up, the yeah. cover up? The why is a very difficult thing to get to, because if, if you're just going to say, well, it's because they hate women or that the system is broken. That's not a really complete answer. That doesn't really get to the heart of, in this case, why didn't think like you were going to get there. But people came forward. Yeah. Cops came forward. And we got to hear a little more of the why, which I thought was really interesting. One last thing that I, I wish that we had talked about on the original review was the way that the Canadian government, the justice system was able to, or I should say the court, was able to put what was essentially a gag order on the victim saying that you can't publish her name. Now, it's used to protect a victim in the press, but in this case, it was intentionally used to keep her from talking about it. Yeah. She couldn't even use her own name. So, yeah, there were a lot of things to get angry about in a you know this podcast, which was very well put together. Toby, this is on your list as well. What position did
3: it have on your list?
4: Yeah, I had it at number three. Yes, yes. Um, Maggie, I, th-
6: I think, is a tremendous reporter. They were on this case like early on. And I, I think that's going to be sort of a recurring kind of theme in my top is, is reporters who are like on the ground almost in real time. And again, it's just, I thought it was just put together in a very smart way. It, it had the Laura Bricker rage inducement aspect to it. I thought it was really, really good.
0: Yeah. I'm what you might call
3: All right, well, let's take a break for the business section. Business
4: section. Kevin,
3: what do we have coming up on Patreon on the after show tonight?
4: Well, on the after show, we're going to continue our discussion about the best of 2021, but we're not going to talk about podcasts. We're going to talk about our favorite TV shows, books, movies, things of that nature. Uh, we don't have a ranking. We're just going to talk about stuff that we really liked. Random shit. Random shit. Yes. And uh, Kevin,
3: what else do we have going on on our Patreon?
4: Well, we have a new episode of Leave it to Bricker, which we came out. do? Yeah. Laura, tell us a little bit about the adventures that you got into.
5: Um, well, in my town now, everyone wants to suggest places to kill people, mm-hmm. which is super fun as I'm researching future cozy murder mysteries and also murder mystery parties. So I got to go into the basement of the 1875 Brick Baptist Church, which is now being turned into condos, to look at a well hand dug back in 1875. Where I think I could probably toss the body. But it's a really interesting <laughs> behind the scenes. Myself and this uh, very colorful local realtor lady um, went in with our lantern and we went under the church. How much are the condos selling for? That's what I want to know. Because real estate.
3: Quite a bit. Real estate ain't cheap in Exeter. I know that. Quite a bit. <laughs> just going to say. Laura, mm-hmm. those
4: those books that you write, those are fiction, right? Those are fiction. So but you don't I like have to-, to go and find like a real place to kill people, you can have an abandoned amusement park. In this little Exeter, like Scooby Doo. Yeah,
5: I could, but what I like to do is I like to have real locations in Exeter of like historical spots because people kind of love that stuff. So, and plus, I wanted to see what was inside the church. So, of course, I was going to say yes to go in.
3: One of my favorite things about Lara Bricker mm-hmm. is on Twitter watching her either sell to or foist her book upon Different New people. Hampshire's yeah. political elite. <laughs> <laughs> we have a photo of Lara Bricker. I think our our Senator Maggie Maggie. Hassan purchased a book, I'm guessing. But it appears as though Laura Bricker perhaps foisted a book upon Governor Chris Sununu. Only, I only say that... Because he appeared to be at a different political event. That he Lara was at a Bricker, parking lot, yeah. It was like at a, an event, a political event, that Laura <laughs> Bricker
5: maybe happened to be covering. I an, did, I yes. did. And I said, I said, excuse me, excuse me, I have a Christmas gift for you. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, then, and I said, here, by the way, let's take a picture. And then I said by the way, you might want to give this to Valerie, your wife, because I think she'll like it more because it's kind of like a Hallmark murder mystery. And he said, well, I like Hallmark movies. And yeah. I said, well, then you might like my book. Got to appreciate how Laura grabs your moment, right? <laughs> she does. She <laughs> certainly
6: does. Did he use <laughs> that does. kind of seductive voice when he said it?
4: I don't know. I was just making that up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Kevin, do we have anything else going on on our Patreon? Well, we just want to thank everybody who uh, turned out last week for our crime writers on so many Patreon people. Holiday Party. Yes. We had it on Patreon. We had the videos. Folks were coming. In the four of us were there drinking our spirits, except for Toby. I don't think Toby had anything except
3: for me. I was just pretending I was drinking because I wasn't really sick. But everybody was so nice, I had to be there. I couldn't not be there.
4: We had we talked to a lot of folks uh, all over the world. Uh, People were chatting and enjoying the time together, talking about their holidays and about the show. And we even had uh, one mom uh, who will go nameless. For now, uh, but uh, she was giving her kids a bath mm. uh, when she while she was watching on her phone, and yes. she did say that you know one of the kids did slip under the water. No, oh. it was going on? Stop but it! But she but she pulled them out, so that was good.
3: We even had one person sneaking in under her dad's handle, getting some secret intel.
5: <gasps>
4: yeah. Oh 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 oh! <laughs> uh,
5: is that somebody with the initials LF? Perhaps. All right, Kevin. Before we
4: move back Uh-oh. to the
5: show,
3: do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week.
4: Our Patreon patron saints are Katrina Devino and Christina Aldrich. Bless
3: you. Bless you. And I just want to say before we go back to the show, we're yeah. wrapping up 2021. To everybody who supports our show on Patreon, you got to know you are the lifeblood that keeps this Crime Writers On engine rolling. You do pay for this show to get made, mm-hmm. and we really appreciate it. Thank you. Moving on. Kevin, we have reached the elite four of the podcast list, the best podcast we reviewed of 2021. You have a lone pick for the number four spot, so I hope you have plenty of talking points to defend it. Kevin Flynn, what is your pick for number
5: four?
4: I picked The Trials of Frank Carson. This came out from the LA Times and host Christopher Goffard, who did the original Dirty John. So I guess the
5: front door is broken. The back door may be broken. Did they find any bodies?
2: No.
0: Hell no.
5: Okay.
2: isn't any. Are
5: they done with us
2: then? Or?
0: No, I don't think we're, they're done with us by a long shot.
4: I just really like this case. You may recall that it's about a defense attorney who was despised by the cops and the prosecutors because he was tough on them. And if he thought that they lied, he'd go really dirty on them. And then there was a case where somebody who was tangentially connected to him died and disappeared, and the cops went after Frank and his family and his different associates, and other cops who happened to be around in this crazy conspiracy to convict him of murder. Hmm. And Frank was, I thought, was an interesting guy. We get to hear the audio tape of uh, him telling all the cops to get out of his, his office. Get out. Well, said, Get out. Get out. He said get out like 30 times or something like that. But uh, when we have podcasts and the story is, well, they were getting set up by the cops. Sometimes that's just more conjecture. What Gofford does is he really lays it out and you see it. Yeah, these guys had it in for this attorney and there was not a lot there. There was nothing there to connect him to this crime. He uh, he was acquitted. He obviously didn't do it, but it was a uh, very interesting story to tell. And I think, you know, as we remember from Dirty John, Chris Gofford has a really, you know, interesting way of telling a story. And I thought he uh, he really did it well here in the trials of Frank Carson.
3: Okay, so we are at my number four. Uh, my number four is Through the Cracks from WAMU and Jonquilin Hill, who was a producer of the show 1A at WAMU. I loved this podcast, and one of the things that shocked me most about this podcast was this was the first podcast that Jonquin Hill has ever made. And this was the first, I think, long-form narrative podcast that WAMU has done. Mm -hmm. This was the story of the disappearance of Relisha Rudd, a young girl in the Washington, D.C. area who was really the victim of a bunch of systems. And the podcast takes her story and uses it as an opportunity to break down the problems in a bunch of systems in Washington, D.C., the systems of shelters, the systems of evictions. She talks a lot about the case itself and kind of how all of these social factors and the lack of social safety net led to the disappearance of this young girl. And of course, she also does look at the case through a traditional true crime lens. More than 99% of missing persons
5: cases in DC are resolved quickly, but not this one. Little girls don't just vanish into thin air, there's always a story behind a disappearance. And Relisha's story was one that was years in the making.
3: Honestly, it's beautifully written, beautifully told. It is incredibly important. And it's a really, really good example of how local journalism can tell a much, much bigger story. And it's a really, really incredible example of how a local journalist can shine light on something in a really, really big way. I think John Hill, by the way, is a star in the making. I cannot believe That we have not heard about like some huge deal with her at the center of it. I just keep waiting for it to happen. I'm a huge, huge fan of hers. I think Through the Cracks was just incredible work made on a shoestring. And I just absolutely loved it. Uh, Toby, I understand that it landed on your list as well. What position was it for you?
6: Uh, It was number nine for me. I agree with all the stuff that you said. You know, there are a few moments where she just had like the perfect little details that I, I think kind of highlighted you know, in large part, sort of the plight of poor people in D.C. And I think one of those details was how they didn't want to make a playground near the shelter.
3: Yeah, the hospital that was turned into a shelter.
6: Yeah. I And, you know, I, I, just, I just, for whatever re- reason, found that extremely affecting, like that little detail within this context of this just horrifying crime and a situation in which they're just, you know, as you were saying it's about institutions it's about services and how the the, the lack of resources and oversight that allows uh, something tragic like this to happen
3: yeah all right well we are getting close to the tops of our list uh lara bricker we've reached your number three what is your number
5: three on your list my number three is 912 the second dan toperski podcast on my top 10 list
4: I think the appeal of never forget is that it actually means forget. Forget everything that isn't our victimhood at that moment. It's absolution. And it works forward in time as well as backward.
5: This is the story of like the day after 9-11. And we have different people, uh, how they were affected by the events of 9-11. I really loved the lead-in on this one where we had the people that were out on the boat doing some like reality show out in the middle of the ocean who were removed from the events and and how they had to hear about it and then what happened when they got back. People that have lived through that, it's like, you know, people are always like, where were you when JFK was killed? Where were you when this happened? Like, I remember exactly where I was when 9-11 happened. And I liked the way that Dan found different people to incorporate into this story in terms of how this event basically changed a lot of life and a lot of culture and a lot of how we live. And we had all sorts of voices included. We have the business owner that finds the Brooklyn neighbors that have disappeared overnight. We have the uh, deadhead guy who becomes a radical. We have the the whole Hollywood directors who were the people that then <laughs> yeah, were like, yeah, yeah. hey, we're going to bring in Hollywood to see what's going to happen next and have this like secret. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I just love that. So again... I think I just love anything that he does because he delivers it in such a conversational way and you really feel like you are getting sort of this different sort of view of what's happening because of the narration style, but also the interview style. There's a rapport between Dan and the people that he interviews. So I just thought this was interesting as somebody who lived through 9-11 to then look back and look at all these different aspects of how things have been affected as a result of that.
3: Toby, 9-12 was high on your list too. It was number four. Why did you like 9-12 so much?
6: After we reviewed it, I read a, a few reviews and, and people were saying like, you know, you'd think that there wasn't anything more to say about 9-11. And I was like, no, there's a lot to say about 9-11, but it's a very touchy, sort of a third rail subject in some ways. So I just think he he took a look at some things that were there, but people are sort of reluctant to talk about and didn't discuss them in a way that was sort of entertaining, but also I thought very, very thought provoking. Um, you know, Laura touched on a lot of those. There was the one about, you know, this whole thing about is it the death of irony after nine eleven, and and when can we laugh again and stuff. And so there was he had an episode about that and about how the Onion had just moved to New York and how they had to figure out how they were going to deal with nine eleven. So anyway, I, I I just thought it was it was something I'd been waiting to hear, something like that. And I think, you know, we're constantly gushing about Dan, but he was the right guy to do it. And I thought it was just important in helping at least me think about what's sort of the legacy of 9-11 once you get beyond sort of these bumper sticker
4: type thoughts.
3: Kevin, you and I share a position on this. We, we both have a number nine in our list. Why did it make your list?
4: Well, I mean, the name says it all, right? Nine twelve. It's if you think about it, it's life after nine eleven, and it's a meditation piece in a lot of ways. And Dan Taberski is great at a think piece, you know. Toby and Laura both listed some of my favorite moments from that whole podcast. I also enjoyed the uh, teenage kid doing a telethon, yeah. trying to raise you know thousands of dollars for a memorial. And there is a place for stories about firefighters and airline passengers and soldiers and politicians. This is about our culture and how it changed and sort of looking back at those kinds of things. I understand that there are people who aren't in the mood for a 9-11 story of any kind, but this was, again, handled so deftly. It was just silky smooth, and it, it really did make me ponder a lot of where we have gone. Serious stuff, not inconsequential stuff. All of those things sort of uh, come together in a really interesting podcast from Dan Taberski.
3: Yeah, I actually thought long and hard about whether to put this in my top 10 list because the, there were moments of this that were some of the best moments in podcasts that I've ever heard. And there are moments of this that I really had to think like, I don't know, do I want this in my top 10 list? But the parts that were resplendent were Resplendent, and of course Dan's work is always incredible, and so yeah, it ended up at number nine. And none of you mentioned my favorite moment, which is the guy who got arrested for going to at a Yankees game, which is Red really Sox fan, yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah. So yeah, the uh nine twelve. Sorry, I ranked the line ahead of it, but yeah, we got two Dan Taborsky podcasts on our top ten list. No surprise there. Okay, so we have reached. The top of our top 10 lists, are four number ones, um, we're going to start with Toby Ball. Toby Ball, tell us about your number one podcast that we have talked about this year on Crime Writers On.
6: My number one is uh, The Fault Line, Dying for a Fight, which is about It's really about political violence in Portland, and Portland has been sort of the epicenter for political violence in uh, the U.S. for several years now. Uh, Sergio Olmos is the host. You know, he's been on the ground in Portland for a long time. What I knew initially about Sean was that he had a shaved head and wore polished boots and seemed to carry it like nothing scared him, and he seemed willing to die for his beliefs. But is that what got him killed? I just thought it was super compelling. It's, it's right on the ground. The sourcing they have, the people they talk to are people who are intimately in the center of all that's going on there. For instance, it was national news where uh, a sort of mentally ill guy stabbed a couple of women on a train in Portland. And you know they have an interview with this guy who they've interviewed about a whole bunch of different things. The guy who had sort of sent around is, a, is this guy, Sean, who who was murdered. But one of his good friends, who so they interviewed quite a bit, was there trying to break it up. And and so it's, it's really talking to the people who are right at the action. They have a lot of um, tape of protests and there's tape of when they're in, I believe, the courthouse and they're being cleared out by the police. So there, there's all this stuff about political violence. There's a lot of interesting stuff about Antifa and about the uh, antagonism between Antifa and like Patriot Prayer. And then there's this whole sort of true crime aspect, too, which I don't know if you guys listened to the whole thing. Like once we were done reviewing, but I did. And they actually the, the actual true crime thing, like who killed Sean, they have a conclusion. I mean, they don't have a name, but they do point the finger towards somebody who the police have not identified where they have sort of credible information that it, it, it could have been this person. So, I mean, I mean, this is a tough year. Like there's like three or four podcasts. I think that could have been number one in a lot of years. So for this to be number one, I, I thought it was really excellent. This one, of my, my favorite ever uh, podcast. And I realized part of it is because it really hits some of my areas of interest. I kind of just felt like the reporting was impeccable. It's the right people to tell the story. I thought it was really, really important. And, I mean, we talk a lot about choices that are made. I just I, I just felt like they made a lot of really smart and good choices through it all. So that was why it was my number one.
3: Great pick. A really, really great pick. Kevin, what is your number one podcast of 2021?
4: My number one podcast is Believe Her.
3: Fist in the air.
4: Uh, <laughs> I got to say, when the podcast started, I didn't know if I would like it. Justine Vanderloon, who's the host... Came in guns blazing, right? Did not start at zero. Just came in at 60 miles an hour, right? And basically putting down the concept that the only good victim is a dead victim. And I'm like, okay, well, what the fuck do you mean by that? Prove it to me. And she did.
0: And I know it's not sexy, and it's not um, something that is plays well in the media to have a woman who appears to be a terrible victim of a, abuse, to be actually the one who is the abuser. But that's what happened in this case.
4: In a fantastic, powerful way, she told the story of Nikki Adamondo, And I have been so worked up about this case ever since then. That's how you can tell it was a good podcast for me. I had a visceral reaction to it. And I still think about that case and the sentence that Nikki got. We've done a lot of the system failed this person podcasts. This one was... Enraging and not in the mere Laura Bricker go take a rage walkway. I'm talking about rub the soles right off your goddamn feet way because this was a thoughtful podcast but super powerful and that's why it made my number one.
3: Yeah, this was my number two of the year and I will tell you, I spent weeks, weeks, and I'm not even kidding. Making my list and this thing vacillated between one, two, one, two, one, two. I love Believe Her. I love it. The reporting is impeccable. The writing is impeccable. The story is riveting. And everything you said, Kevin, is true. And what makes it worse, the the rage part, is that this is common. Mm -hmm. It is common. It is not unique. What is interesting about it, though, is that Justine Vanderloon, not unlike Sergio Almos, was in on this story for a long time, like, on the ground with it and was able to give us so much of it that she was the right person to do it and she's the right person to tell it and, and, like... The fact that she's able to get the family and the other side family to talk about it, I don't know. I just think it's perfect. It's impeccable. It's feminist as hell. The legal side of it is really, really good. Believe Her is one of those shows that when you describe it, people say that they think they don't want to listen. But I cannot impart enough that it is also actually a really compelling listen. It is a good podcast. It's not just difficult. It's also good. It is compelling. You want to listen to the next episode. It is just
5: great. Now, Laura, this is also on your list. Yeah, this is also on my list. Um, This was a little further up on the list. uh, Number five, I went back and forth with my top five quite a bit. But everything that you all have said, I think for me, anytime there is something like this where we have this injustice, but also where we're sort of victimizing victims or criminalizing victims, which I think this podcast showed in an extremely effective way in terms of what happened to Nikki, it was just well-reported. I appreciated that the host came right out of the gate and took a side, and it was just fucking rage-inducing. So it did make my list. If I need to, like, after I like have my week of cheese and bread and everything else during the New Year's, get back on the rage-walking routine, I might re-listen to it. Toby's is also on your list. What position does Believe Her have for you?
6: Uh, I had it at seven, again, with the caveat that there were so many good ones this year. Yes. <laughs> that it could have been it could have been higher on another year. But, um, you know, you guys have talked a lot about it. I, the other thing I thought that kind of stood out for me is just like the many different manifestations of misogyny. Yep. You just see it in a whole bunch of different ways, including from women. So, yeah, it's a powerful podcast.
3: All right, Laura Bricker, we have reached your number one podcast of 2021. It is time. I cannot wait to hear
5: what you have to say. Okay. My number one podcast is I Am Not a Monster. This was the joint project between the BBC and Frontline PBS, as reported by Josh Baker. I loved his reporting. He spent four years, and again, this goes back to what everyone else has been saying. We're looking at people that have really invested time as journalists to get the whole story over this prolonged period of building up sources and doing research. So he spent four years getting the whole story of this woman, Sam, and how she followed her husband from Indiana to become part of the Islamic State group's caliphate and took her child with her. And, you know, we have access to her in in jail. Uh, we have these, these interviews with her where he's speaking with her. And we go through all range of emotions and levels of awareness from the beginning interviews to the end, when he starts to call her out a little bit more. And, you know, we have this amazing scene where he goes and he goes into this, this building that was like a stadium that was also a prison. And his guide, his translator had actually been there.
6: If you look on the walls,
0: there's two bloody hand marks where somebody's put their hand on the wall and slid down smears, yeah, smears of blood. We're basically walking around a graveyard.
5: It was just amazing access and research and sourcing and following up. And then we have the finale where he actually finds Sam's son with her now ex-husband. And so we get to hear how this kid who was radicalized is doing now with his dad when they go out. I can't remember if they were, like, hunting or fishing. They were, out like, out in the woods, like, traipsing around during that, that interview. And, and this was a kid that we saw or we heard about being on this, this video, like, learning how to take apart and put together, like, machine guns and, like, bombs and being timed how we could do all that stuff. And I just thought this, you know, was just very brave reporting to go out and go into this area, but also very thorough and very fair reporting. And Joss Baker... Is a cat man, so he is on my number one list. Josh Baker,
6: <laughs> Toby's is
5: very high on your list as well.
6: Yeah, I had it at number two. And again, I think that I think my top three all sort of have this sort of sense of immediacy. In addition to all the other things, I thought the episode where they go to the prison and you know they're looking around in these absolutely horrifying cells, and they're you know trying to find a specific place. It was so compelling. I mean, it'd be interesting. Like, I haven't really thought about this until just now, but to compile like ten best episodes, agreed. From different podcasts, would be kind of an interesting thing to do, and I think that would definitely be in that top ten. It was just, I agree, very gripping and affecting. Yeah. So again, it was just an excellent piece of journalism, uh, compellingly told. And we didn't even talk about the beginning where he talks about getting blown up, basically. Yeah. And it's like it's like a pretty strong start.
3: <laughs> I'm not a monster's number six on my list. And again, this was yet another podcast I listened to it way back at the beginning of the year where I was like, there's no way a show will be better in this. And um the episode you're talking about, Toby, is episode eight. I'll take my book back, which I can confidently say is one of the top maybe three podcast episodes I have ever heard. The use of tape, the interweaving of interviews. It is an extraordinary piece of reporting. The thing that elevates I'm Not a Monster for Me is the empathy of Josh Baker's reporting. He's taking this incredibly complicated story. It's an intergenerational story. It's an intercultural story. It is a war story. Uh, he's basically taking the three most difficult kinds of reporting, and he's doing them all, like, in impeccably um and i don't know what else to say about it it's close to perfect i cannot believe it ended up at number six but again it's a testament to how strong the strong field is this year kevin where did i'm not a monster end up for you
4: i had it at number three yeah um i think this was you know a fantastic example of the benefits of being there toby called it uh, i believe intimacy an urgency yeah to be on the ground for all of this is so much more important than just finding the right people to interview, right? Certainly, it was an interesting story. And then when it gets to the part where he fact-checks Sam's story by going to Syria and these prisons and trying to, you know, find the places that she was kept and to be walking over, you know, torture sites where there's all those bodies down there. Oh, that's great. It's just a, you know, a unique podcast. You know, last year for the uh, Ambies, which is the Podcast Academy's new award, this podcast cleaned up and it really deserved to. It was something else. And then we finally get to the end where the the last cliffhanger before the last episode was that he meets Matthew, mm. who is the son. It was just really great. By the way, there's also, you know, the companion frontline documentary part. This was so much more than just taking the audio from, you know, a news documentary and putting it out there. This very much like the line was a separate Piece had its own soul. You know, I'm looking at these number one picks that we have, and I think these are podcast titles that we will be throwing a- around for years. Yeah. When we reference something like In the Dark or Accused or A Dirty John, these are going to be titles that we will always have as reference points. So those are our number ones. Rebecca, what is your number one pick for 2021?
3: Well, I'm really glad you set it up that way, and I'm really glad you said it that way. Because my number one pick for 2021 is perhaps, and I'm just going to be bold about it, it's perhaps my favorite true crime podcast of all time. Mm, My number one pick for 2021 is Suspect from Campside Media and Matthew Scher.
0: While DNA is treated in popular culture like a truth meter,
4: a guilt meter, in reality, DNA evidence has to be interpreted by human beings. Human beings who have biases, prejudices, Human beings who make mistakes.
3: I've listened to this podcast now three times. Wow. Because I keep going back to check to see if I like it as much as I think I do. And each time I listen to it, I like it more than I did the last time I listened to it. And the reason I've listened to it three times is because. I, first of all, the third time I listened to it was because I was trying to decide whether to place it ahead of Believe Her on the list. And I listened to both of them again. And ultimately what it came down to is that I've recommended Suspect to so many people and it's just incredibly entertaining. It's like a movie. But ultimately what it comes down to is just masterful, masterful storytelling, a very traditional true crime story. Uh, We have a murder here that is... Not solved. Uh, we have a person who was essentially exonerated of a murder that's not solved. It is a true whodunit, although I, I have an opinion about who did it um, in a like classic, you know, I don't mean to make light of it It's a serious case sort of clue scenario with really compelling forensic evidence that is evolving scientifically. You have a wrongful conviction in a space that is like exactly at the points of criminal justice that we talk about all the time on the show. But mostly it is impeccably structured, impeccably written. Every episode has a beginning, a middle, an incredible cliffhanger. It is the most bingeable entertaining, beautifully constructed true crime podcast I have ever heard. You know, I think there are more do there more important true crime podcasts in the world? Yes. In the dark season 2, more consequential in the real world? Yes. Suspect is the best true crime podcast I have ever heard and that is why it is my number 1 podcast of 2021. I'm a thumb sideways. <laughs>
4: No, actually, I had suspect as number two on my list. (laughs) Um, So did I. It's a great listen. And look, it starts off with this murder mystery, which is almost like Clue with all these different people at this party. The setup is great. One of the things that makes this an important podcast is that it introduces a new topic to think about for the true crime audience, just like Bear Brook did it with familial DNA,
3: genealogy, genealogy.
4: And I'm trying to remember which one about false confessions, but these things that are new topics to us get introduced, and so the idea that this DNA, this trace DNA, was not a direct bullshit. Yeah, (laughs) he starts it off by saying people think that you know DNA is the be all end all. You know, it's truth telling, and it's like any other evidence that can be you know can be misinterpreted. So the murder mystery part of it too is is really interesting. It's unsolved, but come on, man. We know who, who we did We think it. we know. We think we know. We
3: th- oh, I think I know. I can
4: say that I know.
3: I think I know. It's my opinion. It's not a fact. Laura Bricker,
5: this was also number two for you? Yeah, this was number two for me. Um, this was a close second for me. I loved everything that you guys talked about. I loved the straightforward storytelling, the characters, the fact that this whole thing started at this Halloween party that was so relatable as I listened to it. Like, I totally could have gone to a Halloween party like this at some point during my college or immediate post-college career. But also the fact that it's like so clear from the beginning that we have a viable suspect and a not viable suspect. And so my sense of like rage and injustice just went into high gear listening to this podcast. But it was also just so listenable. I don't even know if that's the word listenable. It but is. It was. I'm going to use it because it, it really was. Um, the only thing that was this frustrating to me is that, yes, we have a wrongful conviction. He's freed. But the case hasn't really been solved, even though we all sort of have a feeling who did it. Yeah. You know, Toby, I will say
3: suspect is on your list as well. Where did it land for you? It
5: landed
6: at number five. It's impeccably crafted. It reminds me of like every once in a while you go to a movie or you read a book and it's just like, wow, like they had it figured out. Like they just put it together perfectly. And I'll also say that, again, thinking about this, like what were the best episodes this year? The episode where they're describing the party at which this happened, I thought was just really, really well done. And it's kind of described again, like Laura was saying, it's a party that, that that's pretty relatable in that it starts off as one thing and then it sort of makes this turn as night gets longer and people get more and more wasted and stuff and, and things get a little darker and there's like the guy at the party who wants to wrist ru- arm wrestle people and people are like, what the fuck's up with that guy? Uh, so <laughs> His anyway, name is Toby ball. And then uh, no
3: mention Macklemore. You never fucking see him coming. And yeah, then he comes into Macklemore, the like, show <laughs> how, what can go wrong
6: there. So
4: I'm going to pop some tags.
6: Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's really good.
3: It's as close to perfect as a podcast as I've ever heard. All right, so there we are, our top 10. Bo- I am so proud of us. It's not a bad one on that list, except for Murdoch Murders, but I still endorse it being <laughs> there.
4: <laughs> there was one podcast on here I gave a thumbs down to, but I'm going to leave it at that.
3: All right, well, I think that we should go ahead and go to our ad break now. What do you think, Kevin?
4: Yes, let's do that.
0: I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. And since we got Xfinity we have wi-fi all over the house even in my super secret hiding spots so i can kill time in here by streaming my favorite ha found you how you left to find my tablet on
1: get wall-to-wall wi-fi on the xfinity 10g network restrictions apply not available in all areas actual speeds vary walmart plus members save on meeting up with friends
2: Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something
3: I like to call The Crime of of
4: the Week. Week.
3: A British game show contestant stunned the nation by saying she didn't know who Prince Charles was. Mm -hmm. She was a guest on the first episode of comedian Jimmy Carr's new show. She was given questions about the royal family, and although she says she knew Prince Harry, she admitted she wasn't sure who Prince Charles was. The host froze, the crowd gasped, and the viewers at home immediately went to Twitter. It's a little surprising she didn't know who her future king was, considering the show is called, quote, I literally just told you. (laughs) Still, the contestant did well throwing out wild guesses. She ended up winning 21,000 pounds and managed to make a lot of people, get this, feel bad for Charles. So panel, my question for you is this. This commenter isn't up to date on general knowledge. What other
5: British fact would she find surprising? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Well, clearly she doesn't know about the cat that lives outside the Prime Minister's residence who has his own Twitter account. Mm. Wow, I would find that surprising though, I mean, does everyone know Oh, that? you didn't know about that? Larry the cat? No. Do not know about oh, that. Oh, Rebecca. He's pretty cool. He's, <laughs> he's got a lot to say. I think his name is Larry. I might have just given you the wrong name, but I'm going to say it's I Larry. I think he
3: might be more obscure than Prince Charles. Toby Ball, uh, what other British fact would this commenter find surprising?
6: I'd love to hear her interpretation of bangers and mash. <laughs> uh.
3: Uh, Kevin, what other fact would this British uh, commoner find surprising?
4: That they've been talking about dessert when they said spotted dick.
3: Oh, I think she might be surprised to hear the Beatles broke up. Who? I don't think she's heard about that yet.
4: Who are the Beatles?
3: All right. We should probably it on that note before we do. Laura Bricker, do you have a
5: top one cat of the week this week? <coughs> oh, I do, Rebecca. This comes to us from Melissa Cara. And I don't believe that's her real name, but she is one of our uh, most frequent posters in the Bricker scale, a local person who works at the MSPCA Animal Shelter and trains dogs. And I'm so excited to report that she has gotten her first cat, In 10 years, and her first kitten in 26 years. Wow. Sabrina. She was part of a 100 plus cat transport who came north to the MSPCA animal shelter from Kentucky to make room for animals that were displaced after the tornado. Um, They also have a dog transport coming up, Rebecca, if you need another dog. I don't. And when (laughs) Melissa heard that this kitten had ripped out her stitches after her spay surgery and needed some supervision, she went to meet her and it was love at first sight. She's getting her integrated with the dogs. And Melissa also is a big bird person. So it's great. And the poor little kitty has the the cone of shame on right now because Mm. of the issues with the space surgery. But good job, Melissa. I'm glad that I have brought you to the cat side again.
3: All right. Well, Kevin, we are going to be like tweeting out screenshots and publishing our top 10 lists, right?
4: Absolutely. If you missed it, check out the show notes for this week's episode. You'll get everybody's top 10.
3: Laura Lara Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you and contest anything on your top 10 or nominate an animal to be Cat of the Week, how can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Lara Bricker. And Toby Ball, same. If folks want to say, hey, you missed my podcast in your top 10, but I love that other one you picked, how can they find you on Twitter?
6: At Toby Ball
4: and H.
3: And Kevin Flynn, if folks want to say, I'm so glad that Rebecca once again thinks to their love of her life. How can they find you on Twitter?
4: I'm at www.twitter.com <laughs> slash Kevin P. Flynn.
3: I love my fiance, Kevin Flynn, so much. <laughs> and if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoie. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And I encourage you to join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. I wonder group. if they're
4: ever actually going to get married. Maybe they're not. Maybe
3: not. We also have a regular old. Facebook page, by the way, but that is none of our business, Kevin. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get the Crime Writers on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredibly handsome and about to get a 30% raise, Olivia Burdett. (laughs) The executive producer of this program is Kevin P. Flynn. Do I get a 30% raise? Nope. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we always fight about who is actually number one. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later.
5: I was just with Ann, the Chocolate Lady and she's like, I love Toby. He's so dry. I was on the elliptical this morning and I was listening to Toby.
4: I was like,
6: oh
4: Nice
5: So you have a fan, Toby Nice
4: Who doesn't like a dry man?
6: <laughs> so much better than a moist man yeah oh, god, please
5: don't say that word Or a dry oh, woman
6: yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek and And since we got Xfinity we have Wi-Fi all over the house even in my super-secret hiding spots so I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite ha, found ya how? you
1: left to find my tablet on Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.